the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are ready to begin. Thank you for joining us, folks, tonight. As always, as we journey through the scriptures each and every year, we're rounding third base and heading for home. That's what we're doing. I thought I'd use a baseball Soapy, metaphor. Whatever you did, John and I both are dead. All right. Well, then uh, I don't know what I did. It might be wrong, but um, I. Okay, I'm back. I can't imagine myself making a mistake. Oh, it's not a mistake. Really. We think you did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well, we're using a baseball metaphor because we are in the midst of the World Series. So uh, oh. how about those Astros? How about that? that uh, isn't it funny that there's no home – evidently there's no home team or home stadium advantage in baseball. Home field advantage. Uh, the first two games were played in Houston and Washington won them and the next two games were played in Washington and Houston won them. I guess it's there may be even a disadvantage in the home field. I don't know. But well, I don't uh, think there's really such a thing as a home team anymore. Oh, well, that's true too, I suppose. everybody all over the country buys everybody else's players. <laughs> the, the, whoever you can buy the team, yeah. the uh, players from, right? Well, that's, that's interesting and, and uh, a whole lot of uh, nombres hispanos in uh, in both teams. Uh, you hear the guy see... got the first time to bat, got the double homer tonight. Uh huh. Did you hear? Say again. The first time what? The, his first time at bat. His name is Alvarez. Uh huh. First time at bat. Guy gets on the base. First time, first pitch. I guess it was. He hit a, a home run. Got two runs. The first hit. And he's so happy because he's the first time he's at bat in this game. And his name's Alvarez. So you see, didn't say tonight, did you? I did. It, the game's already. There's another game tonight. Well, Boy, I pay attention, don't I? Soapy, uh, no, I, I'm sure. I imagine there's no game tonight. Not to embarrass you. I'll be doggone. I didn't even realize there was another game tonight. Well, how about that? We're, they're playing in uh, Washington again, right? I don't see why not. <laughs> why not? Anyway, well, anyway, there you we know, are. I'm so back. I gave by, a... By the way, I'm back. I, uh, <laughs> that's right. Welcome. Jacob has been out of pocket for, what, 
two, three weeks, well, I guess. I, couple I went now. to uh, Michigan for a couple of weeks. I came back for a couple of days, and I went to my grandson's bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. There was uh, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. In Arizona, that's right, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't have any alcohol, but many bar mitzvahs. One reason we didn't have any alcohol is because usually, if you have alcohol, there's a whole bunch more bar than there is mitzvah. <laughs> but I will tell you, did you know I learned something about Arizona drivers? Uh huh. I did. Did you know they drive on the right side of the road? No, left side. Or well, it's it's worse. It's more creative. Um, <laughs> Both a sides. Lot, a lot of uh, snowbirds come down there, you know, uh-huh. and the older folks. And uh, I noticed that they drive with their flashers on. Huh. So I said, I said to this one older couple, they had to be in their eighties. I said, "Do you have your flashers on?" And they said, "No, we don't. That's our blinkers. We're not sure where we're going. We want everybody to know we may turn right or left." <laughs> yeah, look out! We're going to turn, but we don't know which direction yeah, yet. Yeah, well, and did you know if you drive in a car wash the wrong way, it does not put dirt back on your car? No. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true too. I discovered that too in Arizona. Yeah, in Arizona. But there's actually this one car pulled in the the car wash right in front of me, and this traffic cop comes in. We could hear everything. I had my grandson in the car. Right? Uh-huh. And the cop comes up there. We could hear everything because they're right there. And uh, the cop gets off and says, uh, Sir, uh, I don't think you had your proper blinker on. He said, Oh, I did. I did. And he said, You haven't got your seatbelt on either. And he said, Oh, I, I had my seatbelt on. I just took it off and I turned in here. And his wife said, Oh, honey, tell the officer the truth. You didn't have your seatbelt on. And uh, the police officer looks and says, is that true, sir? And he looks at the guy looks at his wife and he says, what is wrong with you? Uh, why do you always say that, do that in front of me and put me in this position? And she said, well, I don't know. And he said, he said, you're just really, really, really dumb. And the police officer said over the guy to the wife, he said, Are, uh, does he always talk to you like that? And she said, oh, no, sir, only when he's drinking. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and then he so at, you come back fully loaded this, well, on this anyway, trip. So, right? then, so then the guy says, I can't believe God made you so beautiful and so dumb. And I heard her say, God made me beautiful so you'd love me, and me dumb so I'd love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, I tell you. Loaded up on this ship. You got, you got her done. Well, anyway, we are glad to have you back. Thank you. We are glad to have you back. And uh, we are glad to be with you folks here this last week in our Bible readings, Monday through Friday. Now, that's how we kind of guide our conversation as we move through the scriptures each and every year. Uh, we are rounding, like I said, third base. We're coming into the final books of the Old Testament. Uh, This past week, we read from the books of Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah. We'll start on Monday evening with the um, book of, uh, we'll finish Zechariah and go into Malachi, and then we'll pick up the very last book of the New Testament called the book of the Revelation, the uh, book of Revelation in the the New Testament. So that'll be the end of our, uh, we've made it around the bases one more time after all these years, one more, one more trip. Through the entire Bible. Have you ever so thought about that word, revelation? The revelation, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you have a revelation, you're right back where you started. You ever think about that? You go one full trip around, you're right back where you started. Re, uh, well, it's revelation. Oh, no, not... no, don't, don't dance on the tomb here. <laughs> okay, you got it. Which is good. Okay, re, re, okay, I'll go with it. I'll take it. That's pretty good. By thinking. the way, you know, the only other thing I found about some of the snowbirds over there in Arizona is they they have a tough time because they pull up the mailboxes and try to order a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that snowbirds in Texas sometimes do that. Well, well. and my grandson, he said, uh, I said, well, I may come back for Thanksgiving. And he said, uh, he said, he said, well, Grandpa, you got an awful lot of loose skin on your neck. And I said, yeah. And he said, I, I wouldn't travel before Thanksgiving. You might not make it. You know, you know, somebody <laughs> yeah. think you're a turkey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got any more for us? No, I'm, 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 I'm pretty well caught Okay, up. all right. We 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 have cleaned out the uh, closet there of the. The the leftover jokes from your trip north and over to Arizona. 
Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and we're going to clean up a little bit of my mess last week. I wasn't quite Did sure. Did you make a mess? Yeah, a little bit. I, I wasn't quite as clear and as certain as I should have been about the relationship between Obadiah and Habakkuk. So when we get to that, uh, we'll, you'll help me uh, make sure that people... I think that's a remarkable... Uh, that's one of the things I most appreciate about mm. the uh, Jewish perspective of the Scriptures is that we get to catch up on all of these great relationships you between... You get to catch up the mustard, the relish, the onion, yeah, you get we, the Yeah, we catch up, catch up on all of these relationships. And I've been fascinated by you know the fact that... Uh, the Obadiah was actually Habakkuk's right. father. And you look even in your Bible with the introduction uh, when it comes to like uh, Habakkuk, uh-huh. Habakkuk, and uh-huh. uh, it says we really don't know much about him. It says, well, I guess they, that's what they say in the, most of the regular English Bibles. But um, the Jews wrote down who his daddy was. Yep. And what's fascinating to me is his daddy Obadiah. Uh huh is not a Jew, and he wrote a book in That's the Bible. That's interesting, too. Yeah. Yes, indeedy. So those are the, the, and so therefore Habakkuk also, or We're not neither really. is Habakkuk right. a Jew, right? That's right. That's right. He, so here you have, when people mistakenly but politely will say, oh, it's all written by the Jews. It mostly is. Uh-huh. But you have Obadiah, who's from what nation? Obadiah is from Phoenicia, uh, no. right? Good guess, I, but I know that you were trying to stop me by saying the wrong nation. I that's that. it. That's, I, was I just know trying you to... wanted to say he's from Edom. The, that's what I was going to yeah. say, exactly, uh, from the right. descendant that's of right. uh, uh, Esau. Esau, yeah, mm-hmm. that nation that was founded. Well, anyway, we'll get to that. We'll come to that. But uh, we're going to talk about the books of Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. And uh, again, like last week, Folks, I had to kind of move through books quickly as we made our way through the minor, what we call the minor prophets. Now, starting with the book of Haggai, Zechariah, and then Malachi, when we get to it, those are the three uh, prophets at the end of the Hebrew Scriptures that, is my understanding, are post-exilic in that they they exercise their ministry, they preach their messages and their sermons and so on, ministering to the people of uh, Israel after they had returned to um, Israel after the 70 years of exile in Babylon. So that they're called the post-exilic prophets. And I'm guessing, I'm hoping we're, you're, we're on the same page with that, uh, I guess chronologically. So these are the, the we'll get to those final three prophets, uh, Malachi being the final one before what is considered some people call the four hundred years of silence between the between the testaments. Yeah, so I've heard that many times. Yeah. My 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 polite response is, well, maybe your God was silent, mine was not. <laughs> well, it was not okay, because you have the Maccabees, you have well, uh, other the, things yes, that took those place. Those other books are there. Yes. Between the testaments. Actually, here's an interesting. <laughs> A historical side note. Are you ready for this? I am. Okay. John, you ready? Sure. John's always ready. John's ready. Yeah. Okay. You know, a lot of people will criticize and say, well, the Catholics added some Bibles. Those middle books, the Deuterocanicals, uh-huh. the Apocrypha books that you just referred to, like the Maccabees, etc. Technically, that's not true. Did you know that actually the Protestants took them out? Uh-huh, interesting. So, there, yeah, there was uh, two, uh, there was, I believe one was the British Bible Society, another Bible Society decided, because of exactly what you said, well, they said it's really, God was silent during that time. So they, uh, the first King James, and I, I actually have a copy of it, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it actually has all those middle books in it. But by the time it came, the second or third came out, they had decided in their collective meetings that they should take them out. So actually, for close to 2,000 years, they were there. The Protestants voted to take them out because exactly what you said, they thought that God was silent during that time, so it's nothing worthwhile in there. But the Catholics did not add them. The Protestants took them out. Now, there was probably some council, right? That It was a council, yeah. A council of Trent or the council of this one or that one or the other. Uh, I noticed, uh, and, and that is something, folks, you, you could look up. I don't have the information 
before me about uh, some people wonder about what was the basis? Why did is it just a bunch of people got together and decided that these are not and these are? And it's, it, is, it, it is quite a bit more complicated than that. It is. It, it's not just that they got together and said, okay, raise your hand and vote and this, that, and the other. Uh, there, was, there were real um, conditions. There were real, uh, what do they call it? Um, the, I'm looking for a word, but I'll, I'll, I'll think of it later when well, I, I don't need it. I think in all fairness, right? they looked them over. They weren't just being haphazard. They made their own biblical decisions yeah. academically. Yeah. They felt that they were not inspired. They felt that they were not really talking about God. There are some things in there. And there were reasons they thought that, and they they listed those reasons. Criteria is the word I'm looking What were the criteria? And they never said that these books are uh, totally useless or these books are evil or wicked. They only said that, well, they don't meet the – and there's another word I'm looking for, the the ruler, the measure, uh, the canon. Is the word I'm looking for uh, of uh, the high bar of the criteria, the requirements for to be considered part of the scriptures. But they are everyone I think has considered they are they can be valuable. Well, they, you know, next week you're going to be doing the Book of Revelation mm-hmm, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Now, something interesting about the Book of Revelation, same thing, right? That was in and out of the Bible three or four times over the centuries. There's decisions mm-hmm. to put it in, take it out, put it in, take it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's and you can study these things, folks. You can you can find out what were the the councils or the you know the, made the, the, the made these decisions and on what basis they were made and so on. Uh, and it doesn't mean that a book is useless if it was not included. It can be helpful. There's a historical context, some historical information, there's some other information that could be useful. Uh, nothing is taken out. Fundamentally, changes the message of the scriptures, uh, and, and uh, the only reason some of them were removed is because they seemed to not, not because they contradicted necessarily, but because they were of a different um, uh, formatting in, in the, the way they approached the, the idea of miracles and so on. They, they weren't, uh, they didn't have a, um, some of them I know were taken out because they, they had more of a, not mythological, that's not the word I'm looking at, but well, the, in their language, con- in their perspective. A, uh, this is kind of off topic. Let's use a concrete example, the book of Daniel. Uh-huh. Today, the book of Daniel that we have has 12 chapters. In the middle books are three other books that were originally included in the book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Down the dragon, the three children, and that kind of stuff. Because you're familiar with the story of Jesus catching the woman caught in the act of adultery, uh-huh. are you not? Yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, that story actually appears in the middle books. Now, I'm not saying that somebody copied it. What I'm saying is it's just a replication of events. Uh-huh. But it appears. And the hero of that is Daniel. Huh. He's the one that resolves it and catches the liars. And when you read that, it, for me, it helps me understand what probably took place in, uh, in the book of John, where Jesus said, sure. go forth and sin no more. Because if I go back and I apply how Daniel cross-examined the liars then indeed, to help me, it helps explain. Would Jesus have been familiar with that earlier book? Do you think, you think? Jesus was not familiar with it? Sobe, you're on the line now. Hey, you know, I'm talking I, I about it. As... I don't think Jesus, uh, from the Christian perspective, I don't think Jesus was unfamiliar with anything. Oh, I know it. But no, no, no. I, not necessarily. That's not necessarily. A, there were things that Jesus didn't know. He even admitted some things he didn't know. That's not given to the Son of Man to know that. But, oh, okay, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering in his, in the synagogues of that era, were, were, these, were they familiar with these, uh, what do you call, uh, 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 what are the apocryphal? What are the books? They're, well, they're called Deuterocanicals or the Apocrypha. Okay. Were they familiar with those books yes. in that era? Yes. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. I hadn't thought of that so, before. In fact, we know for sure because Jesus mentions out of his own mouth the book of Daniel. How about that? Yes, he does. It's cool. in the Gospels, you know. Well, next year when we come to that, you'll yeah. uh, you'll point it out oh, to us. Oh, boy, yeah. And you probably will not let me forget. <laughs> that that was a little bit of a jive at me. <laughs> I do tend to forget. Okay, let's let's move forward. We read uh, these books, folks. You, uh, you've heard me kind of give the, uh, the rundown of the books we read this past week. 
Let's, I, I've already discussed Micah to some extent last week. We got into the opening chapters. Uh, uh, this week we finished the book of Micah and then went right on into the book of Nahum. Uh, there's something about Micah, though, that I know that you want to... Was it Micah that you wanted to yeah, talk let's about? Yeah, talk about I that. did not cover this particular thing. I've known about it because of you. But talk to us about, uh, was it Micah who talked and predicted that Jesus would be born in a manger? Or why he was born in a well, manger? Well, there's a difference. A stable or whatever. Sometimes in the Bible, an event must happen. And then that event must be, it's created, it's done. Then it's moved to the other uh, place that had to be final resting place. For example, uh, Mount Sinai, uh-huh. where the Ten Commandments are given. It is not within the boundaries of Israel. No. But it was given outside the boundaries, so we'd all understand that it belongs to the world, not just Israel. But, so they had the Bible, but then they take that to Israel, right? Okay. Same idea that's going to happen here. Do you, you have your Bible with I, you? Of course. Yes. And it's a fine Bible. <laughs> and who and I'm the, not insulted by the question, but there have been times when somehow or other I made my way into the into the studio without my my Bible, so I've got okay. it tonight. Would so. you be kind of maybe you would read for us in uh, Micah uh-huh. uh, chapter five, verse one and two, and let's take it from there. What do you say? All right, chapter five, verse one says, "Mobilize, marshal your troops. The enemy is laying siege to Jerusalem. They will set." They will strike Israel's leader in the face in the face with a rod, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small That's village. That's five one in your Bible. Five one, and now I'm reading two. Oh my gosh! Well, I guess. Um, I guess. But it's a significant verse because that that's where he predicts that Bethlehem would be. Oh, you are only a small village among the, the, the people verse of I'm Judah. I'm looking for begins, and you, Bethlehem of Arafat. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land. So, and he goes on, he, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. So anyway, I, I read... Well, let's go back. No, so mm-hmm. five one does not mention Bethlehem in your version? No, five one says, Mobilize, marshal your troops. The enemy is okay. laying siege to Jerusalem. What, may, it must be the last verse of chapter 4 for your version. Does okay, let's Bethlehem? try that. Rise up and crush the nations, O Jerusalem, says the Lord, for I will give you iron horns and bronze hooves. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Where is the verse that says, And you, Bethlehem, of Ephrath. Verse Ephrath. 2. Oh. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, okay. are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of okay. Israel will come from you. Okay, now everybody pretty much, Jew, Jews, Scott, Jewish scholars, Christian scholars, everybody agrees, pretty much that's the Messiah. Right, yes. So everybody pretty much is on the same page, you might say. Uh huh. Evidently not the same numbered verses, but on the same page. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, okay, so let's just take a look. Now you just read that. Why don't we do this? Why don't we look at uh, First Samuel? Uh, would you mind? Oh, we're okay. Be let's time? just uh, let's keep our eye on the clock. What What were you saying? Look, why don't you look at uh, see First Samuel? First Samuel seventeen twelve. Okay. okay, I'm going back. First Samuel. Okay, hang on. Hang on. I'm, you're going to love this when we get here. Did back. you say seventeen twelve? I did. First Samuel seventeen twelve. You're going to love this when we get back to Genesis. Okay. By the way, you know that. Well, you notice what that verse in in uh, Malachi, oh, not Malachi, in Micah said. Uh, I didn't get that far in the verse. You see, yet a, a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. Right. And so you're taking us to the distant yeah. past now. Yeah. There you go. Yes, yeah, as uh, the verse I'm looking at is his origin is ancient. Seventeen twelve. Huh. Yes, First Samuel seventeen twelve. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite. There you go. Uh-huh. Ah, that's what I want to get from through. Bethlehem there in the go. land of Judah. All I want to do right now is I want to identify that Micah is talking about Bethlehem, and so is First Samuel seventeen twelve. He's saying where where it's at. Uh huh. Bethlehem. You just read it. Yeah. Now let's go back, if we may. Let's go back to. Uh, Let's see, thirty-five twenty. Which book? Oh, I'm sorry, Genesis. Genesis. Why don't we, why don't we go back? Yeah, to thirty-five twenty in Genesis. 
Oh, my goodness. This is why we pay you the big bucks. You can tie these scriptures together like crazy. Well, I like to take credit for it, but I didn't do it. Yeah, I know, I know. But you guys. You guys. Yes. 35 what verse? 3520. Now, read it with meaning. Jacob set up a stone monument over Rachel's grave, and it can be seen there to this very day. Your verses are numbered different than mine. That's my problem. Oh, which one do you want? I'm looking for the one that says, uh, uh, well, um, the one that says that he, the Sukkah, Sukkoth. Oh, okay. Okay, let me just read. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, Ephrath that there is you, Bethlehem. Okay, right there is what I'm looking for. Let's leave it there. Uh-huh. So right here in Genesis, again, we're at the same thing Micah is saying, okay? Uh-huh. Now, remember, sometimes things have to be constructed like the Ten Commandments or the commandments given at Mount Sinai, then taken to Israel, right? Uh-huh. So what we've got here, we've gone from Micah, so we identified where David is, and now we're back at the same place you just read with uh-huh. Bethlehem and uh, Ethrath. And wh- where Rachel, who died now, Rachel right. was one of the wives of Jacob, uh-huh. Rachel, Rachel and Leah, and Rachel dies, and they bury her on the way to Ephrod, that is, on the way to Bethlehem. Okay, right there. So what we've got this. Is that music I hear? That is music you hear. Man, this is a great place to stop because people want to hear what we're going to We're going to show who built what for, actually, historically, and the Christians ought to love this. And I don't know why it's not ever talked about, but it's... It, who built the manger for Jesus? Why he was born in a manger, or how that happened. Okay. Well, we'll come back and do that. Yeah, we got her done before the break. That is our first segment, uh, first 30 minutes under the uh, uh, under the wire there. We just made it. So come back and join us. We're going to take just a couple minutes break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more from the Bible Live. And let me give you, by the way, 210-340-9585 if you'd like to join us. There's a there's a ghost inside of me Not like those dreams in old bed sheets Saying trick or treat Different Oh, this ghost is different Not one that leaves me scared to death But puts my fears to rest you're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Oh, holiness keep haunting me. Oh, you are my hope, you are my peace. Ironic in a way, I'm no longer afraid. All right. And a ghost is to blame. Way to go, John. A little music for uh, as we're approaching Halloween. You're just kind of reminding us that when we talk about the spiritual world and ghosts and goblins, well, we're coming up on the book of uh, Revelation where we talk about angels and uh, these the spiritual realm and what is happening there and, and what is going to bring it all to a close. We believe someday in the book of the Revelation. Good job, John. That was uh, very creative. Well, we are back. John Let's, did uh, that? We're looking. Wow. Don't tell him that. Don't wow. encourage him. John did that? Oh, my John did that, yeah. Well, we were tracing now. All right. We're going, we're looking at the book of Micah. Right. Now, so Micah put it, the whole story together because that's later on. Okay. And he says, hey, you know, a Messiah, he's referring to a Messiah, everybody agrees, is going to come from Bethlehem, which is, which is Ephrath. Uh-huh. Ephrath. And so you and, and he said Micah himself said that this ancient days right. from, from he, he, say, he actually says his origin is ancient uh-huh. and from long ago so okay so you're taking us back so, to ancient so how in the world did Micah know to say this how what summary what facts did he put together well, we went back and we looked at King David was born from the same place we yes. looked at in first Samuel Bethlehem now we're going back and we looked at uh, thirty-five twenty. Uh huh. And uh, then, when well, I we're gonna, and we discovered that that's same Rachel place. died. Rachel died. And and, and, uh, and Jacob builds these shelters, this okay, booth, let's, right? Let's talk about that for a second, okay? What's that? 
Oh, do you want calls, John's asking? Yeah, sure. Folks, if give us a call. I mentioned the phone number just as we uh, ended the last segment, 210-340-9585. If you'd like to chime in or talk about the minor prophets here, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Or, or, or you disagree. Could, or, ask, or disagree, ask questions, give us an insight or a thought that you've had. Uh, we don't mind at all. In fact, you could talk about any passage of Scripture that's interesting to you. That's what we're about, all things biblical here. But we're looking at this book of Micah tonight, one of the main prophecies that uh, I know in our our churches that it is preached quite often, especially around Christmas time. You hear about the predictions of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, as was predicted by the prophet Micah. Now we're looking behind Micah's message. Micah was, how did he get that message? And we're going back in the scriptures in early Genesis. Uh, we looked already at the David, uh, that being... And Samuel, David was born there. Yeah, in, in, in uh, Bethlehem. And so now we're back in, in Genesis. Rachel has died. She is buried Jacob builds these booths. Okay. Let's look at, would you be good enough to read us in Genesis thirty-three seventeen? What does that say? Thirty-three seventeen. Let me turn back one quick page here. Thirty-three seventeen says uh, in my Bible here, uh, uh, J- uh, okay, this is after the reunion of Jacob and Esau. When so Jacob Esau comes back, and Jacob come back. They meet each they other. They meet each other, and they doesn't, and Esau doesn't kill him, and Jacob's glad of that. <laughs> so Jacob, uh, it says Esau turned around and started back to Seir, and that same day, they're separating now. Jacob, on the other hand, traveled on to Sukkot. There he built himself a house and made shelters for his livestock, that is why the place was named Sukkot, which means shelters. Okay, now, as far as I know, and as far as I've read many scholars, everybody seems to agree it's the only place in the Bible where a place is named for animals. So it says right there, it says that's why it's called shelters. A shelter for, well, for his livestock. For his livestock. Well, what kind of livestock did he have? Little lambs. He had lumsy divies. <laughs> little lambs. <laughs> okay. He had, uh, so he had little lambs, see? Uh, lambs. So sheep, he yeah. built a That's place. right. We remember that Jacob uh, built a large herd up with That's his uh, Uncle Laban, so right? He, so he builds a place for his sheep, his lambs. Uh-huh. Now, in, in Hebrew, it's Sukkot. Okay. When they t- and it's a little, a little dwelling place. Uh-huh. Now. Where he learned that he built this. He told Esau, you go on ahead, we'll catch up someday uh-huh, in the future. Uh-huh, uh-huh. By the way, as an interesting side note, they do catch up in the future. And they meet in Bethlehem. Herod is the descendant of Esau, and Jesus is a descendant of Jacob. So they do meet in the future. <laughs> but so That's interesting. Yes, it is. So, but here he builds a little Sukkot. Now, every Jewish, uh, every year you have to have a celebration called Sukkot. Sukkot. We build a uh-huh. Sukkot. In fact, my grandson was born on Sukkoth. Uh-huh. So, and it means it's an indwelling. Now, it's not because of this no, right here. That's right. No, it's not because. Well, yes, it is. A way, yeah, yeah. yeah see, so if you say no, we're going to lose our audience. Yeah, okay. But I want to I wanna make sure they understand. He built a little place. When they translated that little place, they didn't use the Hebrew word name. They went into, of course, the, the Greek and the Latin, and it's come out in English as the word manger. Manger, Okay. So now you've got Jacob built what we'd call the manger. It's the only place in the Bible that I know of, and I believe that's correct, where a place is named for the animals. And his animals were? Sheep. Sheep, little lambs. Little lambsy divies, it was. So now he's built this. And now, remember, it's just like the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, then taken to Israel. Uh-huh. The same thing, same pattern is going to happen when he's going to take this dwelling place he made for his little sheep, he's going to take this to another place. It's Where, portable. Yes. Okay. Would you be good enough to look at uh, thir- Genesis thirty-five sixteen? Okay. And further down the trail, it says that Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him, blah, blah, blah. Look at 35, and verse 16. 16. He, uh, Jacob named the place Bethel, house of God. I'm, I'm getting here. Leaving Bethel, verse 16, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath. Okay, That's there we already you go. talked about that. Now, where you've got is, and doesn't it say Bethlehem? 
If it says toward Ephrath, okay. uh, doesn't say Bethlehem. Okay. No. All right. So what you've got though? Down further down in verse uh, uh-huh. nineteen, it says he was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. So what we've got is we've got Micah putting some facts together when he makes a statement. Well, the Messiah is from an old time ago, and he's coming, and he's going to be going from Bethlehem of Ephrath. So now we go back. We see David's from there. And we go back and we find out who built that, what we call today in the English a manger, but it's uh-huh. a little booth. Uh-huh. It's a Sukkot. Stables, we might call them as well. Well, maybe. That might be a little grandiose. Okay, all right. It's a little lean to, it keeps the weather off the street, uh-huh, that kind uh-huh. of stuff. So, but he names it for the uh, shelter, or it's a, it's a Sukkot. And every year, the Jews every year uh, build a little booth. Every temple, every synagogue builds a booth on premises. Or oh, my God, grandson goes to school, they built one. So they all still today, even today, it's wow. a, it's a commandment. You guys never forget anything. It, do well, you? it's a commandment. It's okay, not just, all not, right. for just not forgetting. It's a commandment. All right. So you've got this, and now getting to your other point, where that anniversary comes from is when they left Egypt on their way for 40 years to Israel, they dwelt in those kind of places. So they were dwelling in the little lean-tos, the little booth. Little booth, yeah. Or shelters, Mm -hmm. little animal places almost. But they were dwelling in them. But here we have Jacob building it. And then he moved to, as you said, Bethlehem in Ephrath. Mm -hmm. So So what he did is he built it and he took it there. Bethlehem, now the manger is in Bethlehem, and it's named for little lambs. Now, what I, I'm going to just say this. What's always struck me as interesting, odd, interesting, is that in the Christian churches, I've never heard anybody, heard anybody put that together, that Sukkot is, was translated through the languages to uh-huh. the manger. Uh-huh. And who built it originally and placed it there in Bethlehem was Jacob. Jacob. And it ended, and it kept, its history and the remembrance of it, and even to the time of David, who was a shepherd, mm-hmm. and the sheep that there, and so on. Now, but there is this idea that Bethlehem was a place where uh, the Levites maintained the sheep that were used from the temple for sacrifices, or that is true. something like that, what right? The, that was now the Levites could own homes in uh-huh. town. Mm-hmm. They did not own Land. lands. Uh-huh. But they did have pastures where they let their lambs be born. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but the lambs would always be born at one particular, you can call any sheep herder anywhere in the world, and they will tell you when lambs are born. Well, when they were born, they were always wrapped in, because they were going to use those lambs for offerings, so they'd always wrap them in something called swaddling, so that they didn't get scarred or bruised or blemishes, so they'd keep them nice, their skins nice. Oh my lands! So that's rich. Well, okay. Wrapped in, they found the yes. child there wrapped in swaddling clothes. I know. So you see the the picture, the symbolism carries forth for the Christian in the Christian mind, and that's fine. But I will say, my point is this: that when Mike is talking about this, he's putting these facts together because he knows it. What troubles me is. Is it frankly, mostly in the Christian church, uh, these facts are never laced together like this to say, oh man, Jacob built it, then he put it right there in Bethlehem. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So, for the Christian. Well, uh, somebody uh, did. Uh, 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 John the Baptist put it together. Behold, he said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They must have seen that imagery of a lamb. there, There was no Christian churches at that time. Right, you're so, right there. But what I'm saying is is that it's clear that Micah understood, as you said, John the Baptist probably understood, but the point is, is this is, I would think if I were a Christian, I would think this is very, very important to understand. At these guys, and as I always say, who wrote these, the New Testament, the Christian scriptures, they were not second stringers. They knew the Bible. And when Micah was writing this... <laughs> 
second stringers. I like that. That's yeah. good. Well, they, they knew the Bible. And when Micah wrote this, he knew what he was saying. But today, if you read that verse, oh, that's interesting. But why does he say that? Uh-huh. Is it just some kind of vision he had? No. <laughs> he knew the Bible. Well, I like that for several reasons. One, uh, for its own merit, it, it's a... It's you know it's there for us to see, and it explains how this moves forward through the scriptures. But I like the principle of it because this happens over and over and over again. It's not just Micah uniquely picking up on this idea. This happens all the time in the scriptures, and you've helped us see that that uh, there is a there is a thread through the scriptures. There's 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 a commonality. There's a narrative that is being given out throughout the Bible, no matter what era what of the 1,500 years it had covered, there's this thread, this narrative that winds its way through them. And it's very clear, and once you see it, it's one of the great marvels of, of the biblical narrative, is that it not only is there a consistency in its teaching about all of these complicated, even controversial uh, issues and things that the Bible talks about, there's this perfect consistency throughout the scriptures, but you also see this this narrative, this redemptive narrative that this Messiah, this Savior, this Redeemer, this Hero is going to come, and and over and over again they they refer and they paint a picture of him, and they talk of his ancestry, they talk about particular qualities and so on, and and that's uh, we see that so very very many times. That's part of the reason. Uh, that we believe God's word to be divine in source. You know, it's not just historically accurate and re- delivered to this to us, uh, transmitted to us accurately and correctly. But it it holds there. There's definite evidence that it is supernatural in its origins. And these are some of the things that help us think of that as well. So when you ever so, you, uh, and the Jews do keep the celebration, but it's a commandment that uh-huh. they do. And it's really relating to them traveling in the booths through the desert mm-hmm. for 40 years. That's and their, every yeah. year, and mm-hmm. very religious Jews will actually build one every year in their backyard. So what's fascinating, it's there. That, but whoever put this uh, together, yeah. yep. they knew what they were writing. Yeah, well, well, Micah and whoever. You know, well, well, there you go for Micah. Let, let's and that move. was one of our readings tonight was Micah, but I wanted to point out, where does this guy get this understanding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. What small Judean town would be the birthplace of a ruler of Israel who would be the source of peace? It would be Bethlehem, house of bread, uh, that is called from um, Ephrath. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to the book of Nahum. Nahum is a uh, uh, – we don't uh, – read a lot about Nahum. He was called to preach to Nineveh. He's not preaching to the people in Judah in the south. He's not preaching primarily to the people of Israel in the north. He is actually like uh, there was an earlier prophet that was called to preach a message to Nineveh, and that was Jonah. We read his story some uh, weeks ago. But Nahum was also called to preach to Nineveh, and he talked to them about uh, Assyrians' judgment uh, now, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, right. n- north of Israel, mm-hmm. uh, and he preached about their judgment and destruction, and the nation, Babylonia, uh, Babylon and the Medo-Persians were the ones who carried out this prophecy in destroying uh, Nineveh and to the, uh, to the north of Israel because of their treatment of God's people because of their treatment of, of the people of God in, in Israel. And later, of course, the Assyrians are the ones that captured the ten tribes and expelled them. They took them to another land and took other peoples and stuck them in northern Israel. Yep, exactly right. Uh, and, so, and, and actually, they were... Uh, they were that very, was earlier, actually. Yes, they were very, very cruel people. Oh, yeah, that was 722 B.C. And I want to mention these dates because, folks, there's, there's certain dates that you need to really kind of have in mind, and Jacob may have another group, but I would say the destruction of the ten tribes of Israel in the north when they're carried away into exile uh, up into uh, Assyria. That is one date, 722 B.C., that you want to remember. And then the destruction of the temple in Israel, I mean in Judah, in Jerusalem, down uh, in Judah and Benjamin, those in 586 B.C., that would be another date. You kind of have a key date to remember uh, from the Scriptures. But uh, so uh, Nahum 
is preaching to the people. Now he's he's after Jonah. Jonah, remember, said in 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 uh, forty days Nineveh will be destroyed. Uh, an eight word sermon <laughs> in English, at least, and uh, and they are not destroyed. They repent. And Jonah. Yeah, what's interesting about the sermon you just quoted of Jonah? Uh-huh. Jonah didn't say unless you repent. Mm-mm. He just delivered the message: you guys are cooked. It's over. And, and we talked about that uh, a little bit last week. That he really wasn't a fan of the Assyrians. Well, no, do you know what these people would do? Yeah, they they skinned human beings mm-hmm. while they were alive many times, and they put their skins on the outside of their walls, so people would see the human skins. They did, and they would make the the exiles, the people that they would walk away and change. They would they would they would put a dead body. On a, a, a decomposing carcass on their backs and make them carry them, which was, which brings to mind Paul when talking about uh, corruption. Yeah. Corruption, yeah. So anyway, yeah, they were terrible, wicked, cruel, cruel beyond our imagination. People, uh, and uh, so Jake uh, Jonah didn't necessarily want to give them much hope, but. You know, our God is gracious and forgiving and caring. It's an amazing thing. They repented from the king down to the and lowest. don't you find it interesting, on one of the Jewish holidays, the book that's chosen by every Jew to read in the whole world is about the book of Jonah. About, uh, is that Yom Kippur? No. Second is day, it? Yeah. But what's, in, what's interesting is, is that it has nothing to do with the Jews. It has to do with these other people who are the nation's. Uh, the goyim, but the other nations, the, in this case, cruel nations, and every Jew reads that as part of their religious literature around the world. The Jews always read, I don't know if you know this, but the Jews have the Bible divided up, and every Jew, whether it's Australia, Korea, Alaska, wherever, every Jew reads the same portion of the Bible on the same Sabbath. So everybody's on the same page, you might say. And we've been blessed that our reading coincides a little bit. You only mess it by a week or so. Uh, That's amazing. But uh, so there we are, Micah and Nahum. That's what Nahum is all about. He's preaching. He is declaring the judgment that actually Jonah declared, but that was put off, put back because they repented. But 100 years later, after Jonah's prediction. That's the point. Jonah got their attention. They repented. But then they, they forgot. Went back, evidently, they went back to their old styles, mm. yeah. and God's judgment fell upon them through equally, equally wicked, evil people, Babylonians, and then the Medo Persians. There were none of the. It, it's it's an interesting thing to note that God often uses even even sinful, wicked nations as instruments of judgment even though they may actually be worse. Uh, and we see that with the Babylonians uh, in their destruction of the well, temple in Jerusalem. Tonight, you know? We're going to read something. Because yeah. uh, part of one of your readings for tonight was Zechariah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we get there, if we can get there. If we can one. get there. Let's go. We're going to next move to Habakkuk. We've got just a few moments. Uh, but there's something there we want to talk about. I, I think we want to clarify a little bit this this genealogy, this Habakkuk was the son of Obadiah, and Obadiah was not a Jew. He married a Phoenician woman. The woman that he, that Elisha went over and stayed at their home and promised her a child. And the child was born, and that child is uh, uh, Habakkuk. And then the child dies. That's right. Elisha does these blessings. And and he dies, and then Elisha raises him from the dead, or revives him, or resurrects him. That's in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, chapter 4. Tie these together, folks, in your minds. Obadiah, then not a a Jew, and then Habakkuk, also not a Jewish person. But both of them prophets. I think it's important to say Obadiah, however. Converted. He yes yeah. thank you I was going to say that I can do that while I'm drinking a glass uh, yeah of water. you know I don't think you can do that I you could have handled that without uh, me adding that's that okay. word that's good that's fine I was so, just trying to tell you that I listened to you I remember uh, these things. so he did he believed in the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob. exactly right so he's a non-Jew but he's in he's part of Israel because he converted and so does Habakkuk that's for that right. matter that's right and they're both rewarded because mm. of the merit of Obadiah 
Oh, he fed all the prophets of the Jewish prophets, and he kept them alive with water and food in a couple of caves. Mm -hmm. That's why he was killed. That's why his family's in poverty. That's why this woman who is in poverty, she has to have Elisha come along and help her with all these uh, vessels full of oil. Her son dies. Elisha brings her son back. And these two people that did those blessings to Israel, shall we say, in the service of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Exactly right. They are rewarded, and that's the word the rabbis use, are rewarded with the honor of having two books in the Bible. Amen. Amen goes there, no doubt about it. Well, I've got to mention that Habakkuk is a book of questions. Habakkuk asks God questions. Now, a lot of people think, God doesn't want you to ask a question. Don't question anything. But Habakkuk asks God terrible, terrible, difficult questions. Uh, why, are you, why does the Lord seem indifferent to evil? Some people today think that when they when we talk about Hollywood or San Francisco or Las Vegas or or America at large or New Orleans or you know some of our ugliest sins as a nation, and we think why does God seem to be indifferent to evil? Uh, well, that was one of Habakkuk's questions, and God answers these questions to him, uh, raising up a nation to use in judging the wickedness of the times, including the sin of Judah uh, through the nation of Babylon. Um, so Habakkuk asks these deep, hard questions, and God doesn't say, hey, don't ask me any questions. He gives him answers. Well, you know, and there's something interesting. Look at mm-hmm. your question number four. Uh-huh. In Habakkuk, God told Habakkuk a spiritual principle. Yes, exactly. The, and we think this started with the New Testament, but no, this is way back in the Hebrew Scriptures. God told Habakkuk a spiritual principle that is basic to all of God's people through the ages, and that is that the just shall live by what? The just shall live by faith. Did you know that's? We quote that in Romans, but, but wait, where who, did Paul get it? Who was the most famous person that used that verse? I'm guessing Jesus, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Second most famous. Uh, okay. Martin Luther. Okay, that's exactly right. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. A, a famous hater of the Jews. Well, we'll come right back, and we'll finish up our comments about this amazing prophet Habakkuk, Obadiah's father, and we'll come back, and we'll go to Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah in our final segment. You can give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585. Don't go away. This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 